So we posted a Craigslist ad. I'm, I'm giving another shout out. This is the fifth one. Joe Spit is the dude's name. His reel was awesome. He, he has like a mohawk, knuckle tats. Like, and so we get to talking and like the question comes up like, yo, what's your mainstream of income? Like, how do you, how do you make money? How do you make a living? He was like, oh, I shoot trans porn. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get That Job? The show where two not-so-interesting guys ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it. Joining us today is Wes Wilson. Wes moved from playing Division I football to working on the marketing teams of high-caliber brands like Pandora and Major League Baseball. Today, Wes is a video producer for the omnipresent sports media player, Bleacher Report. Wes, welcome to the show, and how the fuck did you get that job? What's up? I thought that when I listened to your guys' uh, first couple episodes, I thought that that was like a bit that you recorded and then just made it an intro, but that's, it's OG every time. OG every time. Now the people know, now they really know, too. Let's go. You have a a good podcast voice. Thank you. I really turn it on for that. (laughs) So do I, am I just going to go from square one and then and get her going or how do we, how yeah, do we I mean, do start from the beginning and let us know how you became the heart and soul of uh, Bozeman, Montana. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'll start. So hmm, let's start with yeah, how I got to New York first. So after I graduated, I took a job with MLB. So I was a production assistant, which is, it's techie and, and sporty and things that I'm decent at. Um, but it was hourly and obviously you guys know living in, the city it's it's a tough tough gig to uh, pull off so basically the way major league baseball works is like they have one house where all the content is created and then it like gets redistributed back to the social media teams of every team just because they wanted to keep it like kind of uniform i guess you could say so i was a part of a team of like 20 dudes where you basically just get requests and you ship it out to the teams and they can do whatever they want with it. But so that was, that was kind of the gig I took after I graduated. I went to school in Bozeman, Montana, which if most of our listeners are East coast people, they probably have not heard of Bozeman, Montana. It is a beautiful ski town in the Rocky mountains. I played football there, which is why it's kind of like a random move from Columbia, Missouri to Bozeman. What made you pick Bozeman? What, what were the what were the other offers on the table? Because I mean, that's that's Division One football. Yeah, so that um, I always I knew I wanted to go west for some reason after I graduated. I grew up five minutes from the University of Missouri, so that's obviously where like everyone, all my family went, whatever. And by the time I was like a sophomore in high school, I was like, dude, I cannot stay and just like do the same shit over and over. So. It's cussing aloud. I just absolutely my first cuss word. Um, we we got it. We got a curse word in the title. I know. I, uh, I was gonna say we said we said fuck already <laughs> twice. So <laughs> basically, had it's a weird connection. So my next door neighbor um, at the time was the quarterbacks coach for the University of Missouri. He recently took a job as this assistant special teams coordinator with the Chiefs, which is awesome. But so at the time, he knew the defensive backs coach at Montana State. Okay, so this was my senior year of high school. That dude was literally only there for a year, but I connected with him. You know, I went on a visit and then talked to him on the phone a couple of times. And then he took a job at Colorado, I think, before I graduated. Um, but sure enough, they hung on and let me uh, join the squad in the fall. So I never actually worked anything out with that guy. But it was West. It's in the mountains. It's far away. 
But, like, I tell a lot of people this. So, like, Bozeman, Montana, even the state of Montana, there's two D1 schools. There's Montana State and Montana. But there's no professional sports teams. And then the next closest, like, D1 school is probably Boise State, which is still, like, five, six hours away. And then, obviously, NFL teams are 10 hours away, like Denver and Seattle. The community there, because that's their only outlet of kind of media exposure in sports, like, really, really, really eat up Montana State and Montana football. Um, so for me – How many fans would you guys get, like, average game? Uh, like 25,000. When the stadium is, like, built for 25,000, it's – That's incredible. Uh, it's fucking awesome as opposed to, like, you know, some mid-major schools have stadiums built for, like, 40, 50, and they still only get, like, 25, and the atmosphere's shitty. At um, Syracuse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you guys have had good moments. Yeah. Um, but there's there are some really really bad like mid major FBS schools that have fucking horrible atmospheres. But Montana State, dude, that shit was awesome. Like stadium sellout, and um, there were even times I thought we got treated better than I saw Mizzou players treated when I was growing up. So it was um, that whole atmosphere thing. The town is awesome. It's a ski town. There's two ski resorts, so it's just like breweries and restaurants everywhere. Uh, and you worked you worked at a bar, right? Like uh, doing the LinkedIn research. Wow, you guys really did yeah. research. Yeah. <laughs> um, my this and like this goes to show kind of like how much like football matters to those people. One of my boys basically pitched the idea of a brand promoter to the bar, like his junior year. And so obviously not a bar back, not a bouncer. He literally passed out drink cards and ran the Snapchat for a bar and like the Facebook and got paid the same as all the bartenders. And so, and that that's been like a football player job in the summers since he started that. So I did that for a year. Yeah. So I, I looked up the bars Instagram. Uh, what, did you run the Instagram or did you run? No, what, what were I you don't no, because I would like to say I did, but you looked it up. So I'm not going to take credit for it. I don't know how they're doing right now. It could be sketchy. It's, it's, they're doing pretty well. It's like, they're, they're like three K. Okay. That's good. I didn't dig into the post. I didn't. Yeah. Some places in Montana need that. So that was uh, that was kind of what I did in college. I had a f- few random jobs. Like I worked at REI for a little. How was I just, that? I stocked gloves and like wore, wore the fucking green vest. I don't in, know if you've been into an REI. In Bozeman, Montana, like that's a yes. very outdoorsy community. Yeah. yeah. I'm, you, I'm sure that's like the coolest job in town. Like I'm sure. It was popping, <laughs> but I basically was a stock boy at an REI. So you're just like. You just got to know where the gloves and the wool stocks and the protein granola bars go and shit like that. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting. So, so you did that and you were like, that's not what I want to do. I job for jobs where I have to stand up. I have a horrible low back and I truly will make this sound like a bigger deal than it is, but jobs where I'm standing up, I fucking cannot do truly, which is sad to say, but I was just in pain all the time. Did you ever? Did you ever shoot content when you were at Montana State? Like what? Like for other sports? Like did you ever shoot any of that? Like speaking no. of like being on your feet? No. So honestly, this is kind of where the like whole video um, kind of like producing dream kind of came alive. Was so I don't. My whole life, I've edited and like shot video and edited pictures, done whatever. And like I made horrible movies as a kid where I would like stick the earphone of an iPod music like to the speaker of a, like one of my mom's video cameras and just like make shit in my neighborhood with my friends and made my parents watch them and thank god they never told me how fucking bad they were because I kept doing it 
I taught myself how to edit and how to like shoot stuff. But so my sophomore year uh, in Bozeman, basically in the summers, all we have to do is work out every day at 6 a.m. And then if you have summer school class, you go to summer school. But if not, like we would go find a bridge, a cliff to jump off of into a river or take someone's boat into a like lake that had no one on it or like go hiking. Like there's just so much shit to do out there. So at the end of the summer, I told everyone, send me all of your, just all the videos you've taken all summer and I'll throw a little like montage together. I didn't think it would be anything. So I put that on Facebook and YouTube. It was on the news like two days later, just cause again, they like, they like love football players there. So it was like on the news. I felt bad cause it's really, it's, a lot of fun stuff, but like we're drinking and there's like hot girls the whole time, which is why a lot of people also liked it. But, um, they ran out of the news, interviewed me, asked me if I would want to do like any, any internships. I never really had time, but, um, did that. They put it on the news again the next summer. How many views, how many views is this video? <laughs> one has like 11 K and the other one has 12 K I think, which is not a lot in like this, like YouTube world but, but for in like your a, little town yeah, yeah. stupid college video of like the same it's just it's literally just like beer shotgun jump off cliff so I, i'm i'm smacked montana state yeah, yeah, much, but outside yeah all, but, but, but nature i'm smacked yeah so so people like really like that and like people are always like oh like you should figure out how to do something with that and i never really knew what the route of like just making videos would be i never really like thought about it that hard which is why I graduated with marketing because it's just a, such a generic random degree that you can kind of like do whatever the fuck you want to do afterwards. But, um, so then my senior year, I hosted a show for the athletics department where whenever we would travel, I would just take a mic and like interview dudes like on the plane in the hotel, like in the airport. Um, and then our walk through at the stadium the night before and like just, be funny like there was no script or anything and just kind of like have fun um so there was no like there was no like they like you need to ask these questions it was just here's a mic go be funny yeah it was, press the record button yeah um but so they posted that on like all the athletic pages that did really well and that's that's kind of in college when i was like fortunate enough to have like somewhat of a platform which i was just kind of testing the waters without really knowing it i guess you could say so like the videos I made and then the video for school were all just kind of showing me that like there is some sort of potential. And I, I really didn't know at the time, but that kind of like affirm, like reaffirmed, like, okay, like follow this path because people appreciate and like are enjoying what you're doing. So that's kind of how it like unfolded in college, I guess you could say. Can you jump into uh, napkins a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a good segue. So then, so, but to get to napkins, I have to talk about, Media Planet, which has already been talked about on this podcast. I was so surprised to see that on your LinkedIn. I was like, could it be? Uh, that's, that's like where the connection here stems from. So, yeah. wow. I, yeah, it has to be discussed. Um, Is it Media Planeteer? Do you guys have like a name that you call each other? Like, they, everyone said no. I don't think there's any good nouns for anyone who works at Media Planet. I called it Planet. Everyone else called it MP. I think planet kind of. Stuck. I think planet's cooler. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the best way to make up for a horrible <laughs> name. The MLB job was cool. I learned a lot as far as like being organized on a computer, like storing files, like all this shit. But there wasn't much creativity or freedom really with that job. And 
obviously it wasn't enough money. So I was like, I made the decision. I would take whatever job was just going to pay me more at the time. So early 2019, it's 2020 right now. Yeah. So, okay. So early, yeah. Early 2019, I think I got, like, got LinkedIn DM'd by like a recruiter or something. And they were like, Hey, apply for media point. And honestly, Mitch did a really good job at being professional and making it sound like a really good experience. Wait, was Mitch, was Mitch your recruiter? No, he was not. He, no, he, <laughs> I was about to say you're going in for a five-star visit and Mitch is your guy. No, but, but I, like I'm saying he did a good job of making it like, make it sound like a great company and it is yeah. a good company for some people. But Episode five, everybody yeah. go back. <laughs> Yeah. So if you want to hear like a, a very professional version, go listen to that. But I'm just going to give you my raw experience, which I hope. Please do. Um, so they, they sell you like by taking the job on all this creativity, like built. So building these campaigns um, with influencers and companies and doctors and blah, 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 like all these things to like get your message out there in the world. So the creativity part is what sold me and like doing, building all these, I mean, they literally are just campaigns, but that ends up, I found out being like 10% of the job. And then the other 90% is selling the ad space for the campaign that you built. And I'll just start off by saying, so like I was horrible, horrible at it. Could not sell shit to save my life. And then also that creativity part comes from once you do sell everything and it gets finalized. I never even made it to that part of any of the campaigns, which for fun, I'll tell you what mine were. They were empowering military spouses. Um, <laughs> Who was the influencer with that one? Uh, was it? Um, I don't even remember. Cause I think I tried to get John Oliver, you know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. Yeah. It will soon. All these things I'm going to tell you like never happened. So empowering military spouses, restaurants in America and morning nutrition. So they like knew I liked food. So they gave me those. So like the goal is to like bring people on board to get people to like sell ads in these print campaigns. And I just could not do it. Like I, I don't know if it was cause I didn't buy in or I didn't, I just like, couldn't figure it out, but I was horrible, frankly. So was it, what kind of selling was it? Was it like cold calls? Was it like warm leads? Like you basically like email blast people. So you like, you spend a day or two like accumulating contacts and then you, you blast them all with an email that says like, Hey, like, do you want to empower military spouses? Like let's talk on the phone. And so I would get a few phone calls, but I just could not bring anyone on board. Um, so ultimately, I ended up getting fired after eight or nine months there. I started in February and got fired. And how did how did you take that? Um, I mean, I knew it was coming. And then another shout out to another Media Planet friend that Jaffa knows. Our friend Will Moss was fired the week before me. So I kind of saw it coming and like the only thing that bothered me was like the financial aspect of it just because I was paying rent in New York. I obviously wasn't good at it and was not going to be there forever. I, I learned a lot and like for what it is, that company is 
what it did for me actually was great because it's a company where the turnover's high. They know, like they just, you're kind of a pawn that they use to like just push the sales onto other people. And so it's a lot of young people. It, it was fun dudes and cute girls. So like I had fun despite not being successful and everything because the job kind of sucks is incentivized with happy hours, like mimosas in the morning, food, whatever. So I was content being there just because I had fun every day. And what it did for me was being from so far away without really having a wide net of friends in New York City. That finally gave me like 20 very close friends from the New York area who then I met their friends. And finally, like the best thing it did for me was kind of like help me feel at home in New York City. So like, I don't, I don't regret it anyway and definitely learn stuff. But the best thing it did for me was like, I met so many awesome people and um, like it, it helped like plant my seed in New York City, which is good. But with that being said, sales was not a passion of mine by any means. And I, and I think that's important, right? To find out, hey, I cool. suck at this and that's self-realization or like I got to move on or what's the deal, right? Like, Correct, correct. And so aside from it bringing me a lot of friends and like new experiences, you also learn in shitty jobs that like I things I don't like doing and how to deal with things I don't like. Because any job you're going to have, you have to deal with things that you don't like, obviously. And so if anything, if you're in a job that like you don't like what you're doing, you're learning like, okay, what little parts like made me happy during the day? What parts do I hate? And like, you know, in the future, if you're ever looking for another job or wanting to move, like don't get sold into this, like make sure you know everything. So like everything's a learning experience, even if it's a horrible job. And so, yeah, I, I know sales is not uh, anything that I like doing or that I'm good at. So uh, I can steer away from that in the future. But that being said, because that did not bring me much, like internally, I needed like a side project or just something to work on. I've kind of always had football my whole life to be like a distraction, but now I needed just anything to be prideful in, you know? So what I did was my buddy and I, his name's Dave, another friend shout out. That's friend shout out three. Um, we started a food show in New York city. So it's called napkins where basically we would just go to all the food events in New York and basically just let the camera roll and try food, have fun, talk to interviews. And then I would edit them into like eight to 12 minute um, episodes. And then we throw those on YouTube. And then I think we made like a couple crew neck sweatshirts and then that kind of blew up on Instagram and rock from there. Never made any money from it, but that ultimately ended up being like my pitch for Bleacher Report once they had me on the phone. So how many episodes were like of napkins did you do? I think we have nine right now. You okay. had a pretty you had a pretty solid following. Yeah, it was it was solid. Uh, and neither of us are from New York, so it was like a lot of Missouri, Chicago, Montana people. And then like once I kind of got to Media Planet and infiltrated like some more New York people I kind of put uh people on but it didn't it didn't like blow up or anything but what it did was give us access to a lot of cool shit and made some friends but what was um, your favorite episode the first one that I show people is the Bills Mafia episode and so sure enough Barstool Sports did it a year later so for all these episodes I would have to track down like the the event coordinator or like the founder of whatever event it was and so the Bills one, I found the Big Tailgate's Twitter account 
DM'd it and I was like, Hey, we have a little show, blah, blah, blah. Can we come up? And they were like very welcoming. We showed up and all of them, you're kind of intimidated at first, but then once the people like welcome you in, it's way easier to just kind of like be yourself and, um, have fun. But holy shit, it was the, like, it's the funnest episode I think. And honestly, the most interesting, like the, all the food they cook is on, like, have you seen it, Jaffin? Yeah, I've seen it. I just shot it over to Jake to watch after the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, like, everything that they cook is on, like, home equipment or, like, hardware. Like, it's just so weird. So, like, they're grilling bacon on, like, a bandsaw over a pot of coals and, like, boiling chicken wings <laughs> in an army helmet. And then this one dude had an old iron, like, hollowed it out and then puts coals in it and then closes it in, like, presses paninis down um it is it is literally the coolest thing ever and of course all the food was fucking awesome and like really tasty but then they let us do the ketchup ceremony so like if you google it you'll see it and you, you probably know what it is but like his name is um pinto he just stands out in front of this bus with a hamburger and gets fucking covered in ketchup and mustard from like head to waist and he's got a huge beard and it's like it's super gross, but of course it's awesome when you're trashed and like about to go into a football game. But so then they let me go on top of the bus. Every ceremony starts where like you take a shot out of the bowling ball, you toss it off and then spray the dude. So like you toss the bowling ball at Pinto Ron. No, so you have to dodge the bowling ball. No, sorry. I thought <laughs> I that weird. So like the, the bowling ball sh- shot is the kickoff to like the ceremony. So they do okay. it. So, like you take a shot, throw the bowling ball off and then he like walks in. Okay. So that would be like the national anthem, so to speak. <laughs> that's, that's unreal. And they, that's, that's so cool that they, that you like, it was more than just going to it. Like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of YouTube yeah. is like, Oh, we're, we, we did this event, but you didn't really do it. Like you guys did it. Like you, you were a part of the team. It was also, awesome. Go to yeah, it's crazy. yeah. It's crazy how like you just show up with a camera and DM someone and like, Hey, yeah, we have a show. Like, even though you probably had what, like 500 followers at the time, like they were so much more welcoming than it's like, you just show up with like a 12 pack, even though that's so what were, you were doing just with a camera. Truly, truly. So there were two things that like looking, I didn't realize how big they would be looking back. They were much more beneficial than I originally planned. One was we were talking camera guy obviously before we go and we were like okay our options would be like try and have a friend come with us every single time and use like iphone shit or whatever and then or like find an nyu student who needs like film for their resume whatever or invest a little bit find like a good camera dude and not have to worry about it so we we chose invest a little bit so we posted a craigslist ad I, I always am amazed every time when I post something on Craigslist, like how many people reply. But so we got like 40 emails <laughs> back from people who wanted to be camera dudes. So one's, I'm, I'm giving another shout out. This is the fifth one. Joe Spit is the dude's name. His reel was awesome. He, he has like a mohawk, knuckle tats. Like he was like, oh, I shot for Tasty a few years ago. Like this sounds fun. So we're like, all right, meet us at a bar uh, just so we can like say what's up. And so we get to talking and like the question comes up like, yo, what's your mainstream of income? Like, how do you, how do you make money? How do you make a living? He was like, oh, I shoot trans porn for my state. <laughs> That's how I pay rent is with my trans porn directing and editing and shooting. 
so we were like, whoa. <laughs> like, and that began like a two hour line of questioning of like, what is, what is this world? Yeah, he was like, he was like, yeah, I, I like did regular stuff like in the beginning, but like trans pays more or whatever. He was like, he's like, I shot, I shot Bang Bus a couple times, <laughs> and and my boy Dave, he was like, he was like, Joe, I don't think you realize how cool that is to me. Realize, and he was like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, I think think we're gonna get along. And sure enough, Joe Spit was our camera dude for every episode of Atkins, and he's awesome. So that's he, unreal. I, he rocks, and then obviously his camera is nice, so it's like it's it's like a shoulder camera with all the like knobs and whistles or whatever. And so, again, I didn't think about this before we shot anything, but like when your camera guy looks legit and has like a shoulder camera with like a bunch of lenses and like monitors, and you have like mics and stuff, people are so willing to like just let you like to give you access to anything they're doing. So like. We like our second episode was at this beer fest and like to get in, you get a wristband. It's like only like 10 beer samples, whatever. But like we had Joe with us. So all these people are like, come try our beer. Like we were literally so blacked out, like 75% of the way through the episode just because people wanted this camera dude and like the people with microphones to like be at their beer stand. So like that carried over to literally everything where like people and like people who just wanted to like say hi, like, we're like, hey, I've seen your guys' show before. And I was like, no, you haven't. <laughs> was there a point during in the beer show? Because I, I, I've always wondered this with like recording content where like the beer and the alcohol helps to a certain point and then the, the content completely falls off. Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I want a graph of that, by the way. That was yeah. like the <laughs> content quality to beers consumed. <laughs> Um, I honestly think so like, okay. So as far as like interviewing goes, like there are a couple times where you could see, I have a good listening face. We had to work on Dave's listening face when he's inter- interviewing, but you could just tell like his eyes were just like not anywhere to be found. And so like interviews, if you're super trashed are not good, but B roll. So like the, the shots you show in between interviews are like you montage it with music like those, there's plenty of us just like dancing with strangers, like at this festival, like having a ton of fun or like Dave tried on like this dude's light up sunglasses. Like there's a lot of good stuff you can do. I wouldn't advise interviewing completely trash, but you can, you can get a lot of content out of it still. So it's not horrible. I would say, but you're right though. This is not a horrible graph like here. And then it kind of just, that's when it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so note to everybody, get your interviewing done early. Yeah. 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 Around, around the six or seven drink mark is kind of your, your last chance at a great interview. <laughs> so, so, so bring us up to speed. Like I know it's been, a, it's been a while since me and you chatted, but I remember you left media planet and then I check your Instagram and all of a sudden I see you with Ocho Cinco. Like yeah. what, what, what happened in between that like month? Okay, so yeah, sorry I've been talking a lot. You guys are probably about to run out of time, but no, you're you're good. This, this is it. Got fired from Media Planet. Was in the apartment, and this everyone can relate to now, being at home. But like people always say, like, oh, if I won the lottery, whatever, I'd like just stay home, whatever. If you get fired, you think like, oh, I have you know infinite amount amount of time to stay home. Not having a job is fun for like forty eight hours maximum, and then 
it one you get bored and then two like when your roommates come home from working all day and like everyone you know is working you start to feel like a fucking loser and like you have no purpose and so it was horrible aside from like the first day but so i was just applying pretty much rapid fire to like basically all the like companies I would like dream of working for most of the day. And then you kind of just shoot the, like the LinkedIn one tap apply jobs, like at the end of the day, when you like start to go back for yourself. (laughs) Um, but so then finally, like, I think it was probably like, uh, like the fifth or sixth day of being unemployed. I got an email that was like, yo, West, this is Mike. Like, um, let's find a time to talk on the phone about the social producer job for bleach report. And so like he had the, the job description was in the link. And so I clicked it. I was excited. So I clicked it and then it said location Las Vegas. And so for those of you who don't know the bleach report, like main office is in New York city. So I wasn't applying to like move or anything like that. And then I saw location Las Vegas and I was like, Oh my fucking God. Like Las Vegas, like I didn't even mean to, I was just uh, like applying so fast and like not really looking at anything that like, sure enough, I applied for a job in Las Vegas, but I was like, oh, I'll like entertain it and whatever. Talked on the phone a couple of times and basically, I know you guys probably know, but so like Bleacher Report has different, there's the main Bleacher Report account and then there's different verticals. So there's like BR Kicks, which is like a shoe and fashion account. There's BR Football, which is the soccer one, BR Gridiron, which is the football one. And then there's like hoops, gaming, and then they just had started Bleach Report betting. After talking to them a bunch, they were like, yo, like we're kind of a startup right now. Like we don't have a big team. Like we're looking for people to just come in and like make shit happen pretty much, which ended up, they they wanted us to like do way more than I even thought. But um, after talking to a few people, I made the ultimate decision like – the contract was six months too. It was a temp. So like, if you suck, they can let go of you without having to fire you. And like, if they don't want to have, you know, these three people come on and like employ them full time, they can like let them go after two. So like I've, I've always advised people is to like bet on yourself. And I kind of made the decision, like go earn a job back in New York city by kicking ass with this Las Vegas job and deal with all the logistical shit like when you have to. And how long was that process? Like you, so like how long were you unemployed for? I want to say I got fired from Media Planet like middle of August. And I was in Vegas by NFL week one, which was like September 3rd. Damn. Seventh or something. Yeah, it was quick. In in the interview process, like just to confirm, like napkins was like a big thing that you brought up. Right. Yeah. So I think what I tell people is because since I started working, I've got a lot of like DMs from people too. um, Just about, you know, like how to get XYZ job, whatever, or how to get into the industry. And the napkins thing like was obviously something I enjoyed doing, but it's a combination of something you, something I liked and something I was good at. And so I think if you're not being, if you're not building yourself or your resume up, to what you want to do with the current job you have. I think you have to do it on your own. And so napkins kind of was my baby to pitch in that scenario. And so I think what it showed them was like, not only do I just know how to edit, but like I can like self start and am creative kind of on my own without having money as the incentive, you know? 
And then obviously you go through all like the minute details about like how we shot this, how we like hook had this hookup, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah. And like the Bill's mafia episode is obviously kind of sporty too. So it kind of fits like the brand of bleach report. And I think they like that. Um, and then also it kind of got to showcase like my personality without having to like be super annoying on like an interview call. You know how everything's like pretty formal. Um, I got to like send that to them and kind of like be myself without having to like, you know, break any unwritten rules about like sure. job process. So, so when you started out in Vegas, like, were they just like, Hey, create same stuff like with napkins, like, Hey, just, just create. Or was it, was it a little bit more regimented? Like, no. So what's interesting is, and I also am like learning more now cause I'm with the main bleach report account in New York, but, um, the main account has people who, people who pitch ideas and shoot the content, people who edit and then people who program it, which means like you're the one who tweets it out, puts it on Instagram, does the captions, whatever, whatever. Um, in Vegas, that was all of our job consisted of everything. So it was everything from like making graphics, shooting content, editing it, posting it, running the Twitter, pretty much everything. And so I actually remember on my drive down, I was like, I was like, yo, hopefully after a couple of months, I can kind of like, like earn my spot to maybe be on camera or do like my own videos. And then sure enough, like week two in a meeting, they were like, you guys literally can come up with any idea and execute it however you want and post it. And like, it's fine. Cause like, we're just trying to see what works. So do it. And then I think the first video I did was like, I took a mic and you guys know what parlays are in betting. Obviously I didn't know shit about betting when I got there also. I, I'm not, I don't sports bet. It, it, it was all, I'm a total fraud, um, <laughs> which is kind of also funny. I like, I completely danced around it in the interview process. Um, but like I, I took a mic, went outside and just like asked people, I would say like two names of teams that are playing and like tell them or ask them like which team to choose. And like people would literally just say a team. And then I would, make that into a parlay ticket and bet it. And then we would run that on Sunday morning. Um, and like people really liked that one. So that was kind of like my moment of people being like, Oh, like that's kind of like a, a good video. He's funny on camera. Like do more of that. Um, do, you ever, do you ever hit with one of those parlays? Never, never. <laughs> nothing I ever did works, but, and what's funny, and this has nothing to do with like my journey, but the betting culture is so weird because everyone can do it. So everyone thinks that they fucking know everything. And so like I was hired to be a producer, which was cause I could work Photoshop and I know how to edit video on premiere and I like, know my way around a computer, but I kid you not. Like I think that 80% of the Bleach Report betting audience thinks that I was hired to be a professional sports better. <laughs> and so anytime, like we would, we would post stuff and I would be like, I'm going with Iowa. Cause my little brother goes there. Ha ha. And people would be like, fuck you. Like that's a shitty pick. <laughs> you guys don't know how to win. And I'd be like, I, 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 like, I don't even know what to say. You guys are crazy. But, uh, it was an interesting experience. And then sure enough, eight months later we're here, which working for New York, but not fucking there. So. How, how long were you in New York before all this happened? So I, I got extended in Vegas while they like made decisions in New York. So they extended me like a month and a half. And then finally 
New York said, let's start on April 8th. So you can stay with betting from March Madness, which is <laughs> funny now. <laughs> so I did that. And then the plan was finish March Madness, drive home to Missouri, drop my Jeep off, and then fly to New York on April 3rd. And then I think when, I don't know if you guys know when ever fucking quarantine started, but it was like probably a week before I was going to leave was when everything got serious. And then obviously like it's New York city too. So moving back to New York was just another hurdle in itself. So I have not even been to New York yet. The last time I was in New York city was SantaCon 2019. Damn. Yeah. Sad. I miss it very much. What was the transition like from New York to Vegas? I don't want to be a pessimist about Vegas, but like I didn't know how much I love New York until I moved to Vegas, actually, which is something I learned while I was there. Vegas is not the place you want to be if you're uh, just if you're alive. I guess it's probably easier to say. <laughs> um, it's fun for for. <laughs> two to three days maximum, I would say. And then it's like, if you guys have ever been, I know in the airport on the way home, you were like just ready to fucking yeah. leave. But it's, it's the entire Vegas community is hospitality or like people who are retired who like to golf. And so there's no, like, I know no one listening has ever met someone who is like, I just graduated, I got a job in Vegas. Like it, there's no community there really. Um, and I, I am a very optimistic person and I love geography in new places, but that was very tough. And it's funny because when I was in Missouri, like before I drove out there, I was coming off a like solid six month bender of like going out in the city, like four or five nights a week. Um, and my mom was like, Hey, maybe you don't have to like drink as much and go out in Vegas. Like, can you chill out? And I was like, ha ha ha. And then I, I was drunk a total of like three times the eight months I lived in Vegas. Which blows people away, but yeah, it was tough. It's very tough, but I, I learned a lot, like started cooking, developed habits for the first time ever. Cause I moved to New York, like right after I graduated. So I was kind of just thrown into the whole New York city shit, which I'm sure you guys also can relate to. And I never really knew how to like, just like take a breather. So like socially it was horrible, but I mean, personally, I definitely learned a lot. And before you guys also run out of time, the, my one tip of advice to anyone, it, and I always tell people this, is like, if you can move away from home, you should absolutely do it. And whether that means like an hour down the road or fucking across the country, I think every time you move, you learn so much about yourself and like develop the ability to like, in no other way can you like develop that much. Just having done it two or three times now, I, it's like the most... Um, learning and insight I've done within myself always, every time. <sighs> that, was like a, that was such a spiel. I said like one thing in like four minutes, but. <laughs> no, that was a great. I, I got one last question. Yeah. Uh, so I do this on my LinkedIn. You have German listed as a language that you speak on your LinkedIn. How well do you know German? <laughs> Fuck. That's very funny you say that. I didn't even know I had that on there. That's probably, <laughs> dude, I probably did that when I was tired and sad after Media Point had fired me and I was like desperate for a job. Um, 
I, I have Spanish on mine and I've always wondered, I wonder if anybody will ever see that and quiz me on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopping ahead of it and quizzing you. My grandmother is Austrian. So she speaks fluent German, but, and I, and I took German like in high school and I can count to 10 and I know what dog is in German. So there we go. I, that, maybe the next vertical. The I, German. I, I'm gonna definitely have to probably delete that just for good karma. <laughs> leave leave us with your uh, favorite Ocho Cinco story you got. Ooh. Okay. Honestly, also before the Antonio Brown stuff came out, he like just all the crazy shit. We FaceTimed Antonio Brown once, which was interesting. Dude, honestly, I think this is just the funniest shit ever. He would have different girls come into our office every day, pretty much. Um, but he, if you check his Twitter, he's like open about loving BBWs, big girls. And um, I kid you not, every day a new girl came in. He, he, he just, he brought in girls every day who, from all, all shapes and sizes, I'll say. <laughs> just PC as I can make that story. And he would introduce them. They would sometimes bring their kids in we would get snacks and he would just play video games and they would sit on the couch for four hours until wherever they wanted to go afterwards. <laughs> it's not even a personal story. That is just in a like observative. Story. I think that's a really funny, like office dynamic though. Like you're just like, Oh, on Addy or whatever you're doing, just grinding. And like, you just like look over and there's like Ocho. Yeah. <laughs> and someone else's kid <laughs> <laughs> running around eating your snacks. He's on the couch. That's all time. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I, I don't got really anything else. Stay on for like right after we stop recording because I want to ask you a couple things. Um, I'm not actually talking 90% of the time too. I was on a roll. That's, that's it, dude. It's, it's your show. That's how it's supposed your, to be. This your is episode. your show, right? Like, yeah. It's your episode. Uh, yeah. Before and nothing, nothing the listeners really want to listen to post show. But uh, where can people find you? Ooh, um, well, my German speaking LinkedIn account is, <laughs> um, and then honestly, I think Instagram is probably the safest way to go. I think that's a, that's a good starter. I think Instagram at, uh, Westland Conrad, or if napkins intrigue you in any way at napkins NYC is always another way to go. We'll, uh, and we'll then, post napkins and West Instagram on our IG. Love it. And if you don't care about me at all, just follow Bleach Report, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, because they, they need it. Because they need more They need more reach. <laughs> uh, awesome. Wes, appreciate you coming on, man. Of course. Anytime. <laughs>